Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Huzzah. Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and, uh, you know, this guy. And me, uh, the guy that writes all that uh, weird fan fiction about, uh, I don't know, Ted Cruz. Is there fan fiction about I don't know. It's just, I feel like this beard, I feel like I'm getting, you know, I, uh, we'll talk about it later, but I've been trying Uh to like cross, uh, ideological slash, you know, boundaries and talk to more people that I don't agree with a lot lately and like Hmm. really get into their head and figure out what, how they think, why they think what they think. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one of the reasons that I'm getting so much play is because I look like I've written several conspiracy theories. Like I look like I authored <laughs> loose change at this point. And was loose so, change authored? No, <laughs> somebody had to come up with a conspiracy, right? I mean, who did, who authors these conspiracies? Is it right. like, is it a bunch of people on 4chan? What's going yeah, on? I mean, for the most part. Yeah. I, I feel like this is an eight Chan beard at this point, but yes. <laughs> Have you, wait, I want to do something. Jason, you got me this like here we go. This, what did you just say? I wanted to do this if I knew my board better. <laughs> right, but no, I can I can jump up. I can jump <laughs> no, no. up. Yeah, I know. But listen, what what I think there is a lot of fan fiction already being written about is is Lovecraft. Oh, dude. I mean, this show is out of control. This show is out of control. Good. And um, well, it's you know, a different level of good. It's 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 a social relevance. It's a you know, it's a relevance for humanity. Yeah. What I mean, I, it's, so it's, it's tough. And I'm it's so gl- I'm so glad we have our guests back to talk about this, because we the big to. thing for me is like, I, I, I need to know, like, is this something that's like, did like basically what I need to know is because I only get this once a week. Mm-hmm. Right. This show once a week and I'm only getting eight episodes of it. Right. Is there a bunch of other content out there that I don't know about because I have not been had the privilege of being able to see that is comparable mm-hmm. to the quality of this that I'm just missing out on Good because point. of my, you know, limited view into things, because this is stuff that's, you know, not it's not just eye opening. It's incredibly written and impeccably directed. And I'm just I'm 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 jealous of anybody who's seeing more of this kind of stuff that that I'm missing, and that's what I'm I want to know about that, today. That that uh, I'm not involved in it somehow. Oh yeah, I, I, I mean, well, it's like amazing. My, oh, yeah, wait, right. we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But. We will. We're going to get into all of it. Um, this episode especially. So we shouldn't waste any time, right? We nope. should just bring Dave on. So, ladies and gentlemen, Dave Schilling. All right, let's. Hey, What's look up, at my huge back. head. Yeah. <laughs> huge my head is gigantic. Um, nice thanks for I, having I, me back. I have to sit 14 <laughs> feet away from my um, my camera just to get my head this small. Like if I was sitting as close as you were, all you'd see is my nostrils. Right, and yeah, I have to sit I'm, this close up to just be this big. I'm sorry I have a big dumb face, but I do. This is one that my parents gave me. You have a, a very big brain, though, and that's Thank what you. we're here to uh, discuss and massage. Jason, you see, look at him. Look at him. Look at that. That's crazy. That's, that's way up in the front. Uh, that's, that's, and that's not even, I'm still about four, three feet. I'm about two uh-huh. feet away from my camera still. Dial that back. <laughs> God, I'm, a, I'm basically a bobbleheaded version of myself. Uh, well, wait, before we even jump into the episode, uh, Dave, do you have any answers at all for Jason and what he just asked? My answer is this. There is nothing like this on television, and that is not because there are not great black creators working in Hollywood. There is nothing like this on television because the level of production value and budget that is going into this far outstrips most things that black creators get to make in Hollywood. And that's the problem is when you look at this, you think, well, what about Watchmen? Watchmen was great. That came out last year. Wasn't that wonderful? I mean, that is mostly a white staff and it is a fantastic show but it is a mostly white staff a white showrunner it is source material written by white people and they had i believe one or two african-american writers on that show i know court jefferson wrote on that show but I, I don't know if anybody else did who was black you think about that and you realize okay these types of swings are very rarely taken by black people in Hollywood. So this is it. And I'm well, can really I, glad Can I jump in on something you said? Yeah, I, I think it's not that they're not taken by black people in Hollywood. I think there's a hundred thousand black people who are ready to take the swing. Oh, no, I, I mean, they were not sex. allowed to. Yeah, right. Okay, good. I right. just wanted to I mean, we are that. not allowed to step right. to the plate as I extend this baseball analogy. <laughs> um, if there were more opportunities, there'd be more shows like this. But right now, it's Hollywood is still very ghettoized in the things that are on television. There's, 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 explain there's, ghettoized. 
Ghettoized in a sense, well, in the real the real world, <laughs> there are things called ghettos where you, you know <laughs> ethnics ethnics are put or uh, ethnics or LGBTQ people are put into specific neighborhoods. I live in a neighborhood of Los Angeles called Koreatown, mm-hmm. and it's called Koreatown because that's where all the Korean people were allowed to live. Allowed. You know, Compton is primarily black because that was a place where black people were allowed to live in Los Angeles. Redlining is a thing where there's, you know, you you designate certain areas for African American people to live. Redlining. Yeah, that is that is that was a way for people. It's a real thing that again yeah. I don't know about. So redlining. Yeah, that's that's a whole other conversation we can talk about. And in this show, we see the concept of pioneering, which yes. is um, a black person going to a white neighborhood and saying, "I'm going to put my stakes down here, and I'm going to live here. And I'm going to make life. it safe. I'm going to risk my life exactly right. to make it safe for black people to live in this neighborhood." Um, that kind of thing uh, is was very hard to do, and it still happens. You know, there are still neighborhoods where. It's primarily white, and you get looked at funny if you're black and you're in that neighborhood. It's just not codified into the law the way that it used to be. It's codified into the law. Okay, so <laughs> this is just – I'm laughing because it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, so, I much of it, so much of American history is not just Jim Crow and segregation. A lot of it is de facto segregation and who you decide to give a mortgage to, who you decide to rent to. How serious you'll take a credit score uh, when you decide on an application for a rental. It's like sometimes you can have a bad credit score and be a white person, get an apartment. You can have a 700, 750, 800 credit score and be black and not get an apartment because they people choose to discriminate. So it puts this you're really putting the system in systematic. Really. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's what we see in this show is. The, the kind of like expectation we have of, well, Chicago wasn't the South. It's not racist. It's like, no, this is the most racist town because it's literally divided between a North and a South side. And if you're from the South side, you're black. If you're from the North side, you're white. And each one had a baseball team. Let me, let me stop <laughs> like, you for a second. Let me stop you for a second. Um, so what you're saying is that if we are devoid of racism, there's no South side and North side. There's just Chicago. I mean, I think that that was primarily why there, that delineation was created is to say we're going to have white people here, black people here. You go here, we go there, and never the twain shall meet. And, and that kind of de facto segregation is all across the country. It's here in Los Angeles. It's in New York. Places like Harlem exist because that's the safe place. It's not about you being – legally barred from living in a place it's that you feel psychically threatened being in that place and you see in the the most recent episode of the show the the women at the department store at the marshall fields who are like are we allowed to go to the south side it's like going on an expedition it's so dangerous no one's saying yeah exactly yeah no one's saying you are not allowed to go it is society saying you shouldn't and making you afraid you should be scared Yes, exactly. You should right. be afraid to go to this place because something bad could happen to you. Well, it's like once we see, I mean, listen, this episode was, I felt uh, far and away different than the others we had seen up till, you know, last, the other night. This, you know, mostly stemming around Ruby and, you know, her, her involvement now with the Braithwaite guy. Is he a twin to the other one? I can't get it. Wait, they're the, they're the same person. Is this a gag? Is this a bit? They're the same person. Oh my god! Same, this whole time, the whole time around this. Oh yeah, oh, it's I revealed in the episode. Smart. I think it's I'm very the, smart. Where did I miss that? What was I doing? I don't know. I don't that know. was the that was the last scene with Ruby. Yeah, that was yeah. the very end. You've been him. The whole, you've been William this whole time. And she's no, no, like, no. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You see, this is why I stand behind that. We Scott Butch. We don't. Not do spoilers. We do spoilers. I just got spoiled because I had 10 minutes left to the episode. Oh, yeah. You got to I couldn't. I couldn't. I had so much work. So I, and this is work too, but I was like, oh, 10 minutes. And now you see, it comes on me. I got spoiled. But by the way, I like it. That's sick. (laughs) It's a great twist. And it, it, like every single element of the story of this show is in some way commenting on gender, politics, class, race, appropriation, appropriation. And this is, you know, 
I don't, we don't know where this is going to go in, in subsequent episodes, but clearly she needed to put on the, the guise of a man, her brother who was murdered in order to, to move in this predominantly male um, secret society. Like the, 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 the police captain says that he's like, uh, you know, there's no women allowed in this. You can't be here. This is a man's only club, but that doesn't mean that we can't also have a scene where her and Ruby have the conversation where she tries to make, you know, a connection on a gender basis with Ruby and Ruby says, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm black, you're white and our experiences are totally different. And that's, and that's the conversation that we're having on Twitter all the time, or we're having in the, in the news media all the time of, you know, white women voting uh, for Trump in 2016 against their own best interests, mm-hmm. um, it, it, voting against another another white woman, because uh, there's there's not white women don't necessarily have the same affinity uh, affinities or interests or needs or fears that black women do, and there's feminism has been kind of uh, cleaved by mm. by by race in a lot of ways and, and white women benefit from, from feminist um, gains far more than black women do. Well, that's very interesting. I thought one of the uh, very, very, very interesting lines in the episode was, I'm not sure some days it's harder to be a woman or a colored. Right. And I, I don't mind either most days. I thought that line, I just had to like stop for a second and be like, all right. And then I realized it was the, you know, thematic of what we were watching with everybody at the department right. store and so on. But I mean, these are things again, that, that white brains we're not thinking about. Right. And, and also this whole episode is about duality mm-hmm. and about different identities and, uh, you know, Montrose being this, having this kind of like tough guy exterior and being, you know, physically violent with his son and then you see that he's been living his life as a closeted gay man this whole time and never feeling comfortable in his own skin. There's a lot of imagery of, of skin in this episode because yes. he's shedding her skin and you see. And what about the uh, captain, the police captain? He's got some sort of stitched skin situation. What the hell? It looked like almost like he was primate, you know, which I thought was interesting. Like Very you, know, what, interesting. you hate what you are. Yes, there's there's a lot going on from a from a visual uh, standpoint with that, and like, what does that mean? What is the, the symbolism of that? The whole episode, though, is is that's that visual symbolism of the skin that we we show the world, and this and what we are inside, and and right. uh, you know, what do you choose to? Who do you choose to be? Ruby chooses to be white in certain situations. She chooses to be black in certain situations. And then she's given that kind of um, freedom. What's the moment? Well, wait, well, let me ask you something. What's the moment where she sees what that manager is doing to the girl, you know, the other black girl works there and she sits there and she doesn't do anything. And she has that long, it's like off her face. I, I wasn't sure what to infer from that. Well, I mean, I think that that is self-preservation mm. as a self-preservation instinct because Throughout the entire show, the black characters are told not to intervene, not to put their hands on white people, um, don't don't get caught killing white women. You know that that's that's a line from the from the show. Like yeah. th- those that sort of fear of of reprisal if you become involved with a white person physically, uh, I think, is what what caused her to turn and run away. She's also covered in blood and viscera. And like, it just doesn't look good. No, no, no. Listen, there's a lot of reasons not to do that, but I wasn't sure what to infer from what was going on in her mind. You know, because yeah. she does go and, and, you know, do what she does after with the manager. And uh, that's know. a safer situation. Yeah. He, he doesn't know who she is. She's kind of obscured with all the blood and guts and stuff. And he won't be able to like say, Oh, she was white. And then she became she black. Into black. And then she stabbed me with a shoe in my butt. <laughs> okay. But let's talk about that for a second. Cause the episode opens up on a white woman. We don't know it's Ruby, right. you know, unless you watch subtitles and then it says Ruby in her lines, <laughs> you know, but otherwise we don't know it's Ruby and yeah. that in and of itself. So I feel watching it from my point of view, you know, you can't go the other way. And don't make that mistake, even with the black creator. You just can't do it. So they find the genius in this. And they're like, okay, we're going to, everything he was saying to her, she was saying to the Braithwaite, right? It was saying to Ruby, 
was completely true. He meant it literally and figuratively. Right. This blew my mind. Just yeah. wake up on this. What do you got, Chase? Oh, um, yeah. I was just listening. <laughs> I, I got a little lost in thought. I, I like that. I, I, it, this reminded me a lot of an old Saturday Night Live sketch from the early 80s with Eddie Murphy. Where Eddie, it's like it's it's I sort of a it's a, it's a yeah it's like a, a a film short that's in in the middle of his live episode where he um he paints his face white and he goes about his life as a white man and uh, they just start giving him free things all the time and it's very funny and this is kind of like a dramatic extrapolation of that though there is some comedy to these situations every once in a while. Um, but you see her going around, Ruby going around town, getting free ice cream and stuff. <laughs> and then, Just and then she's white. Yeah. And then William yeah. asked her like, you didn't use any of the money. And she said, I didn't have to. <laughs> my, the only currency is my white skin. You know? Whiteness. Well, you know? and there, yeah. they, it seemed like there was a double layer to this though, too. It wasn't just, there was that part of it, but it's also, it seemed like there was a, some sort of comparison, like, you know, Ruby's a bigger black, a bigger, darker skinned yeah. black girl. And then there's this Tamara who's skinnier and she got the job on a whim. She didn't have the same education. And there seems to be a kind of a secondary prejudice story in there, but that, well, but uh, a secondary prejudice. Yeah. Jason. yeah absolutely. But it, it was very interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. Really? Yeah. Um, that whole Man, subplot, Sorry, <laughs> he, 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 he made a very interesting point because that subplot is something that I was thinking about a lot um, is Tamara and Ruby's relationship is there is that envy. And then, um, you know, Ruby has that scene where she's uh, white and she says, you have to work harder. You have to be better. You can't be mediocre. There's a lot of um, frustration and, and, and jealousy there. And you go back to the previous episode where she's with William in the bar and she says, you know, I know they're not going to hire two colored people at this store. And it, that frustration is something that I feel all the time. You know, I feel mm -hmm. that because, you know, I've, I've been up for TV writing jobs and they only have room for one black person in that writer's room. Yeah, and we've I, fulfilled our quotient. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, right. we, got <laughs> I, black, we got a black voice. We're good. So yeah, just leave I, us alone. Exactly. I applied yeah. for a job and I didn't get it. And then I, I find out who got it. And the guy looked exactly like me, <laughs> even down to like by the same classes. I'm like, God, I knew it. But that's not fair to that person. Of course, to it's be not mad fair at to anyone. But we know that we are fighting tooth and nail with people who look like us, who have the same experiences, and we have to fight harder because there isn't the room for us. There's room for one, and the, who's going to be the best of the best is going to get that job. You just blew my mind a little bit. I have to jump in on this because I was thinking to myself, well, you know, I'm thinking from a white brain. I'm like, yo, you know, I, I, I go up for the same jobs. Like, you know, I have to compete against other white dudes. I'm like, oh, they're just other white dudes. I'm like, well, that's just like regular competition. Right. I'm like, I never really had to compete against the black dude. Well, it's more. But it's, I just it's, started thinking about that. Yeah. It's I not never really so had much to. about that. It's not so much about that. It's about the numbers, the numbers of jobs. No, I'm saying they weren't put in front of me to compete with them. Oh, That's sure, what I'm sure. saying. Yeah, That's so you're not I mean. thinking about it that way. No, right. I'm only thinking about like, oh, I'm just competing with other dudes, right? I'm not thinking about competing with another race because it was never even put in front of me to compete with. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about is that yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> Like, yeah, if, if there's if there's a TV writer's room and there's, let's say, 15 people in there and you think, OK, that's 15 jobs when you're a white person. OK, I can get one of those 15 jobs. I just need to know the right people. I need to have a good sample. I need to do all these. Things. When you're a black person in Hollywood, you say, OK, there's 15 jobs. They're going to hire one or two black people. One of them has to be a woman. So that's really one job. But, oh, they already have a black person on staff, so I probably am not going to get it. That is what people think. It's and does like, it stop you from going up for it? Like, you know, for trying anyway? I mean, sometimes, you know, I'm curious. Sometimes it, sometimes it makes me not want to. Sometimes it makes me think, well, um, you know, what's the harm in trying? Why not? Right. But at the end of the day, there is that feeling of, okay, I'm – this is a waste of time because they're going to hire a prim primarily white people. They're going to hire women and say that's diversity. They're going to, you know, hire one black person and call it a day. Like all the things that go through your mind. Right. It, 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 it is really hard to 
motivate yourself in that situation. So I looked at this and I saw, I thought about what Misha Green must have gone through when she's trying to make it and writing this scene or, you know, breaking this episode and thinking about her struggles and, and her issues. And that she's really speaking for all of us by speaking herself through these characters. Um, and that's just very powerful. And I'm sure there are people yeah. like black women in this, in, in Hollywood who are like, I hate her for doing this, but that is systemic racism making you jealous of someone else's success. You shouldn't be jealous of someone else's success if they earned that success. And I think it, in Ru- Ruby f- being mad at, was it Teresa? The, 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 uh, yeah, Tamara. Yeah. I think that you're right. What Tamara. was it? Tamara. Uh-huh. Tamara. Being mad at Tamara is not because she got another job. It is because, as Jason said, she's thin and beautiful. Yep. Instead of larger and darker. You know, she Ruby thinks of herself as is not beautiful because she's heavier, because she's darker, even though she is a beautiful woman. Obviously, if you're on TV, you're going to be pretty attractive no matter how big she's gorgeous. But it's again, it's discussing. Well, also, it's discussing that black women have to go up against white ideals. You know, so what's the white ideal of a woman's body? Well, that's not genetically how a black woman's body is made. So, you know, it's there are differences, you know, in everybody. But by the way, that's not genetically how a Chinese body, how a Japanese body. We are all genetically different. So therefore, why are we going up against the white ideals? Of yeah, and there's variations and, and there's variations in every ethnicity too. There are thinner black people, there are yes. there are heavier black people, there are shorter, taller. You know, there is this idea in the in the the popular culture that black people look a certain way, that do a certain thing, that have certain abilities. You know, the 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 whole stereotype of black men, yeah, black men having can... giant penises is yeah, like well, that's that not is, a stereotype. That is... <laughs> I mean, that's that's just we know that's hey. true. Yeah, what, hey. I want to blow the cover off of that one, buddy. Let's leave that. All one right, <laughs> it gives um, us a reason to have smaller ones. Seriously, for those of us who need an excuse, just let that one lie. Okay, but no, you're absolutely right <laughs> yeah, about everything so much you're variation. fucking saying. Yeah, so much variation in the world that it's hard to um, it's hard to to stereotype people effectively because. Everyone is their own person. They're all, we're all unique. We're all special. We're all different. But we so desperately need to believe that there is some kind of, like you said, I mean, it was a joke, but it is, there is truth to this. We all want there to be a reason. We all yes. want there to be a, a narrative and, and exactly. a structure that we live under. Black people do this. White people do that. Men do this. Women do this. Straight people do this. Gay people do that. Like, that's not true. That's bullshit. Right. We're all people doing there all kinds no of weird structure. shit. Yeah, right. There's no system to it. It is all just stuff happening, and we all are products of our environment more so than we are genetically predisposed to be something. Yo, amen to that. And on top of it now, what Lovecraft does so brilliantly is they put Letitia into the middle of the argument saying, here's a light skinned black woman who, by the way, another interesting choice by Misha Green is that she's a virgin until tick. I mean, wow. You don't expect that because she, no, she projects sexuality and that can be in its own way, a defense mechanism against all manner of things. Um, By, by being overtly sexual, she doesn't ever have to be vulnerable emotionally. And when Atticus comes around now, she's got to be vulnerable emotionally because she's in love with this person. She can't just pretend to be sexy and then kind of like go about her business and, you know, be that flirty girl that nobody ever gets to hook up with. Uh, She has to really let her guard down and be and be raw. And that's, I think, part of what is interesting about their dynamic and their relationship in the show is that she's really the lead. And I think I said this the last time I was you on did. here. You did. She's the lead of the show. There's a reason why she, Journey Smollett is the first name on, on the credits is because this is her show. This show is about her experience and her being light-skinned is a big deal. And I think it is her being able to be, you know, of both worlds that makes her the most compelling character and also the one that you want to see the most because she's the most fun, but she's also the most complicated. Well, yeah, but it also strengthens and deepens the uh, dynamic and the relationship uh, between her and her sister, between her and Ruby, you know, so you're yep. seeing both sides of the coin and you may not like either side, you may, you know, but you, you're, it's there for you now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's a show that understands the dynamics of blackness very well. And it, you can 
you can tell when a story is written by a black person and when it's written by a white person. Hmm. How so? Because because there there are certain understandings of blackness that you don't get unless you are black. You don't understand the um, the jealousy and the and the envy that comes with dark skinned people looking at light skinned people. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily understand like you like you said the body image issues that people might have or the need to assimilate in very subtle ways. Not in obvious ways of talking differently and wearing a, a specific kind of hat and voting Republican. <laughs> That's not necessarily the kind of assimilation we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The kind of assimilation and, and, and yearning that we're talking about is what Ruby is going through. Ruby does want to be white. Ruby does want to have nice things. Ruby does want to drive a big Cadillac around town and feel fancy. That's part of why she is the way that she is, that she's ambitious, but she doesn't have an outlet for that ambition. And part of that ambition comes from wanting to be a certain way. And, and, and the, our idea of success, yeah, our idea of success is a very white idea of success. Well, that's what I was saying about the body image stuff. The idea of body, you don't have black heroes or black women, you know, who are poster women to look up to even, you know, every model is white. Oh, and then we'll give you Naomi Campbell, but she really looks, even if she's dark skin, she really looks kind of, her features are whitish. So you feel okay about it, but it's not a plethora of people of all sexes to look at and say, oh, that's someone I can idealize or someone I could look at and be, okay, I could look like that. That's cool. I'm sexy. Right. Well, coming from within. Racism is not about skin color. Mm. It really isn't because that would be the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life to be like, I don't like you because you're a certain color. It's not the color is an identifier of a thing that you, uh, an idea that you find abhorrent or, or a, a culture that you think is mysterious, unknowable and weird. Um, that is not, what race racism is not about color. It is about those class and cultural differences that we don't understand and we don't care to understand. So yeah, you can have Naomi Campbell and she can be dark skinned. Right. That doesn't mean that she represents blackness in the way that racists see blackness. You know, amen to that, by the way. And what did you see what JD Miller asked there? Do you see the same racism animation productions? I think racism exists everywhere. <laughs> I mean, so there you go. It would be hard. It would <laughs> be hard no for me to be like, escape. you know what? You should be an animator because yeah. it's, it's great. It's yeah. awesome. Flint, the Flintstones was an all-black cat. Like, the all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Every, every uh, that's a great question, and it's true. Like every every element of our society is infected by bias, even if it's not racism. In the traditional sense of I hate black people because their noses are different than mine and because they're, they steal and they're good at basketball. That's not necessarily everywhere. But what is everywhere is bias um, that is built into society, that's the systemic in society, because you look at a black person and you think certain things about them. You look at a white person, and think certain things about them. You see a Korean person driving a car real slow and you're like, those Asian people, those Chinese people don't know how to drive. Well, that person's Korean. That's not really nice, and that's not true. What are you talking about? It has nothing to do with your race if you're a bad driver. (laughs) But because we have these stereotypes, because we think that women should only be cooking or that um, you know, uh, Mexican people are lazy. Like I could go on and on with these things that are just not true, but they infect our brains. And they, so let me ask you this though, Dave. So how do you think then? And I think there's a good note to end on because, because I got a question. You can't get to end yet. I do. Why do you think I'm on here? I'm on. I I want to ask a question. You don't get to ask me whatever you want. (laughs) Okay, good. So we don't have to end Jason. Why don't you? uh, Well, Well, I I actually wanted to get into tick a little bit in this episode because You know, Tick has a pretty, you know, he explodes on his dad and enough that Lita is afraid of him enough that, you know, he has to really apologize and think about it. And he says a couple things that are interesting. He's like, he found his anger in the war. So it seems like there's a combination here between some real pent up anger from his frustration with his dad, but also maybe some PTSD and a combination of a few other things going on there. And I also know that there's a depiction of, you know, of the black man as an angry person. There's a, there's, that's a stereotype too, but also something that feels like there's, you know, something that needed to be talked about there. And I was just curious your opinion on how Tick was portrayed in this episode. Well, I'm glad you brought that stereotype up because (laughs) it, a lot of times stereotypes have a basis in reality because it's something that you have, you have witnessed and you've heard about. 
anger within the black male psyche is warranted. If you are a mad person, it is usually not because you have had a wonderful childhood and a wonderful life and that you're very well adjusted. Anger is not biological. It's learned. I have a, I have a three-year-old and he doesn't, he doesn't get mad just because he's biologically inclined to anger. Right. He's mad because he hasn't gotten something that he wanted. He wanted a toy or ice cream or to, to go swimming or something. And I had to say, you can't do that. And he gets mad. Tick is angry because he was beaten as a child. Tick is angry because he was he's a he's a product of a, of a racist country that's that anger comes from frustration with not being able to get what you want and learning from his father from montrose that that is how you live your life is you use violence and montrose is angry because he's gay and he's not allowed to be gay especially not in black culture in the 50s or today when you know there's a lot of homophobia within the black community. And that's just a fact. It is, it is what it is. So when, when people get upset about the black, the angry black man stereotype or the, you know, political um, consultants say Obama should, should never have seemed angry about X, Y, or Z. It's like, mm. he's supposed to be angry. There's a lot to right. be angry about in the world. Mm. And so a little bit more acceptance of anger within the black community is going to be better because that anger hopefully can be used in a constructive fashion to make the world a better place. And, and, and don't be, don't feel bad that you're angry. Understand why you're angry, understand where your, your, your fear and frustration and, and violence comes from and try and work on it. And I, I think that's what we're seeing with, with, with Atticus in this season is understanding why he's angry, where his anger and his fear comes from. And, and I think that's going to be a big part of the rest of the season. Awesome. I, I now you can it. ask the end question. Well, actually, I no, allow Jason, it. I, I no, I allow it. Listen, first of all, thank you. Wait, listen, I allow it. I just want to let you know you. I allow it. Okay. I said thank you. Second of all, you were actually right because this is a good ending question, um, which is probably why I said we'll end on this. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm just patting myself on the back. Sorry. Let me. Let Congratulations me. on thank asking you, the question you I haven't mean, asked yet. <laughs> I know that's what that's the kind of validation white people need. <laughs> I'm so great. Like, hang on a second. Hang on. Hey, I need that too. <laughs> I need to take a minute of how great I am. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So what I do want to ask is what do you think or how do you think the importance of this show resonates with the black community, with the white community and with society at large? And where can something like this end us up to, you know what I mean? Or lead us to. I mean, I, I would love for, for art to be transformative yes. in the ways that we think it can be. I don't know if it really is because we are still kind of dealing with the same problems we've been dealing with for generations now, just very variations on a theme of, you know, antagonism and racism and stuff. But I will, I do hope that this show is an opportunity for black people more so than white people, for black people to interrogate our culture and think about where what we can do and 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 where some of our problems come from. You know, what the the onus of of change should be on white people primarily because they run society. But you know, there has to be some consideration of the issues that we saw in this episode. Consideration of how much assimilating do you want to do what is what does it mean for you to feel some kind of um gratification from money and and success and power is that really gonna was that job going to really make ruby a happy person no and she saw that you know i grapple with that all the time i've done pretty okay for myself so far um I'm not rich. I'm not poor. I'm just right in the middle of being okay. And that's great. And I've had better years and worse years financially, but on the, in the good years, I think, well, I've, I've, I got it. I'm done. And I can just be myself and not have to worry about the systemic racism in the world or uh, poverty or homophobia or misogyny. I can just, you know, read the paper on Sunday. And be okay with that. That's not an option for Ruby in this episode to just go on her life being a an assistant manager at a department store and be white. 
She'll nice always fantasy. be black inside. Yeah, so uh, undoing some of the fantasies that black people have in this country is what I hope this this show does, more so than the opening eyes with white people, because hopefully those eyes were open during the George Floyd yeah. protests, and they remain open. Um, yeah, I got I to gotta say, I also hope that this opens the door to more stories that I haven't seen before, and yeah. really gets people allowed to take these swings. Because like I said, like this is a show that you know makes me... First of all, again, I don't see all this stuff, so I don't know all these things. I'm learning a lot, but I'm also like engaged. This is stories that I don't get, they don't get told over and over again, you know, and I just want more. And I really hope that that's the other thing, you know, even in a, in a purely capitalist way, they see that this makes money and these stories exploiting these stories is actually good for their bottom line. So they start making a whole bunch more. Yeah. Oh, I will say, you know, it's worth noting that Lovecraft country the book was written by a white person. <laughs> that's the best. That's that's the best part a, white, yeah, a white dude. Um, it's a white but, dude. But, but yeah, that's what I, I wanted to bring up, Dave, before, is yeah. this, that there is an importance to the fact that, just the fact, that this mm-hmm. show was made. It's on the air. We're yeah. watching it, and we're talking about it, and HBO Max did that. And you know what? That just means there will be more. So yeah. that's where art can transcend. Yeah, I hope so. Just from a purely selfish standpoint, hope it's I, I hope someone hire me for the, the, the next <laughs> one. Um, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. That is that is very much a positive and an optimistic. I'm thing. sure there's another book written by a white person about black people that we can we can convert. We can co-op. <laughs> driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> That's a good one, Dude, right? thank essays. you so much for being back on. We any yeah, we love have. having you here. We'll, we'll talk about some other stuff, but Anytime. thank you so much for being a part of this today. Absolutely. And uh, no Sharon, this has been the the. I I mean, this is the show. I, I mean, this and Ted Lasso that are so different kinds of shows are the two things I look forward to every week the most. Me so. too. Well, as an Anglophile, I need to watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> You'll love it. You'll love it. Love it. <laughs> You'll love it. All, All right, right brother. Well, Dave Schilling, thank, thank you very much. Care. Yes. See, I do it now. <laughs> we both do it. Dave Schilling. Okay, so let, let I want to talk about so much stuff, but what I really want to talk about first is the COVID stuff. What what explain to me like I'm, you know, someone off the street who's like, what the hell's candy, COVID? What are you talking about, so, Jason Smith? This hashtag, candy not COVID. All right. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal. I've been working on myself a little bit. I wanna I've been listening to a lot of books about how people break into groups, into partisan politics, into ideologies, just choose sides. And I, I've read about the, you know, the dangers of how that all works. Right. And, and, and what's, what, what I've learned is the more variations of how we react with each other. Like if you, you know, if, if we, if we're only a Democrat and a Republican, that means we only have one side each, but if we're a Democrat and a Republican, but we cross that over with being parents, if we cross that over with being member, like fishermen, or we cross that over with, you know, different things, the more, the, the more we're stitched with different types of like, organization and groups, the better, um, the better the fabric of society is. It's harder to tear us apart if we're, we're the, the more variations of different kind of classifications that we have more than color and race, but all that stuff. So I've been, I was started doing some experiments because I was trying to create a podcast where I was reaching out to people who don't believe in the same thing I do, you know, not to get to political, but I am a, you know, I'm a, a very liberal Democrat in California. I, I do pay attention to the news and I have some very strong opinions on certain things. So I was reaching out to different people about, uh, you know, different things that I'm seeing, mostly around COVID, because it's a very important topic to me and I, that I don't think should be partisan, but it is. All right. And so what I saw out there recently was uh, a hashtag that said, save Halloween 2020. And basically the premise here in the, and you can find these notes everywhere. If you, if you're on Facebook, somebody has shared this. It says, basically, if you can go to Walmart or you can protest, I should be able to have Halloween. Which makes gives me a lot of questions. Go ahead. <laughs> the first Who the one. fuck thinks that I go to Walmart all the time? And how is that something that that they think that all the liberals are doing? Because I don't go to Walmart. I not not for any other reason. But it's like specifically Walmart it doesn't say you go to Target or you go to Bed Bath and Beyond or you go to your vegan Starbucks. Shake Shack. Right. No, it just is like you can go to Walmart. I can go to Halloween. I was like, well, I don't Waffle go to House. Walmart. So what are you gonna do? Waffle House. <laughs> Waffle House. I miss the Waffle House. <laughs> I miss I miss restaurants too. But that's actually the most dangerous thing you can be doing right now is going to restaurants. Okay, so they say if you go to Walmart and protest, then we can have our Halloween, Halloween, so back off. Yeah, and so I I, and so I I wanted to try and figure out how to appeal to people. Try to yeah, I want to try and figure out how to appeal to people who felt this way. Why? I want to learn why they feel this way, what they think, and what they're doing. So I posted something on Facebook, basically explaining my point of view. My point of view is this: there's two things. 
One, <laughs> I don't go to Walmart. No. <laughs> that is no, a big... No, no, number one, because uh-huh. basically the idea of these time to save the Halloween is like, go trick or treat to your heart's delight. No problem. Go. It's just, it, we're allowed to do it. So we're going to do it. And so my first point is this. Anybody who's going to open their door to strangers on Halloween probably isn't wearing a mask, probably doesn't believe COVID is real, probably is not being very safe in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a riskier proposition to go out and go to these houses where there's candy outside. Just saying. And number two, okay. number two, and it's real easy. These are our fucking kids. You don't have to believe in something, but if there's a, you know, a one in, you know, if, if I told you, you had a one in 99 chance that you're, if you went outside today, one out of a hundred chance that you were going to get really, really sick and potentially die, you probably stay home one in a hundred. Like that's a 1% chance. Mm-hmm. That's not great odds. If it, maybe you would, cause you want to risk it. Maybe you're feeling bold, but you definitely wouldn't let your kid outside. If there, if one kid out of every 99 died or out of a hundred, mm-hmm. you wouldn't let them outside. If one kid in a thousand died, you wouldn't go outside. If one in 10,000 was going to die, you'd probably still not let your kid outside. Like, cause you, you know, that's, that's not great odds, no. you know? No, no, it's not great. Okay. No. So, so, so what I, what I suggested and what I offered out to everybody, you know, mm-hmm. we, and I, I opened this up to discussion cause I wanted to meet a lot of people and figure out people that were working on both sides of that, you know, this, this idea, I offer this and I offer this to you and I offer this to everybody. And I ask you to share this, uh, this hashtag out, Kenny, not COVID everybody who's willing 2020. to 2020, COVID 2020, 2020, anybody who is willing to keep their kids at home, and let me know and give me that for Halloween and keep the kids at home. I, I want to, you know, cause I really want, my whole thing is we've got a month, we've got two months really to brainstorm on another way to do things like just, you know, cause one of the big arguments is, well, don't, we don't want the kids to suffer. I, I can, my conjecture is we have 45 days at least to tell Halloween. If we can't come up with a fun option for kids that is just as fun and maybe something that they'll cherish that's special and unique to them. We got problems. We got, we can do this, right? Well, okay. So did you? So, so what I, what I'm offering, I feel like we did. I one feel part like there's of it an option is, coming up. Yeah. Yeah. There's an option. So what I'm offering for anybody that's willing to do this, you guys can DM me. You guys have my Facebook, go to the Starburns audio, Jason Smith. I will, I will talk to you. I will send you a pinata filled with the good candy. None of that snack size bullshit. Wait, the big candy. The good candy. The good candy. The good candy. The full bars. Full bars. You know, you want a lot of full bars. I got you. Full bars. The good candy. Real stuff falling out. You know, not not a bunch of caramel corn and a toothbrush with a couple quarters or a a card that's good for one free. Twizzlers like this. Yeah. Just tell me what kind of candy you want, and I don't care if it's a if it's a SpongeBob or a Joe Biden or an Obama or whatever. You you tell me what the. This is not about party. This is not about anything. This is to me. This is just about. We need to take care of our kids. And if there's even a little bit of risk or a chance that we can, you know, that this, this, this spreads regardless of what you believe, I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. Candy Not COVID 2020 is just a way for us to celebrate the, the holiday in a positive way, find a fun thing, do something different. And how do they and use this safe. hashtag? Use it for anything. I want you to use this hashtag. We've had people, we've had people that have come up with ideas for how to make the, if you go on my page, uh, We've got the uh, chef company that came up with something. Uh, yeah, they're, they're making. Yeah, they're making. Um, I think it's pouting chef. The pouting chef. Yeah. Um, they they put out some easy ways to make your own pinatas. You can make your own candies. I mean, have a party at home. Um, create something special for your kids. Do a scavenger hunt. There are so many ways to exper- to create an experience. These kids are young. The ones that are really going to miss out on you know that that are going to trick or treat this year. We can make it special. Let's figure out a way. Yeah, Let's post the fun. videos, post the pictures with the hashtag Candy Not COVID 2020. 20. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys like it, I mean this. Send me a pinata or send me in your name. I'll send you a pinata. I'll send you candy. I want you to stay home. I want to, yeah, hashtag the pouting chef. Go look up what, what they're doing over there. It's really, really cool. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna try and get this out there. I've I I mean, I've spent the weekend talking to people who did not believe the same thing I believed, but at least we had a really good conversation about it. And maybe a couple of them are going to do it. Maybe they aren't, but I think that, you know, the more that we can be safe and the better that we can keep everybody um, safe, um, the, the, the less time we're going to have to spend in quarantine, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you, you know, adults are allowed to risk their their lives, they're allowed to do whatever they want to do, but let's just keep the kids out of it. 
I know I'm so tired of this too. Like, come on, man. Let's just all do- listen. I I said this earlier. I have asthma. You know, it's dormant, but still, it's not easy to breathe in a mask. Okay, so everyone with asthma who says I don't want to wear a mask because I have asthma, I have asthma. I know it's not easy to breathe in a mask. I still wear my mask everywhere, and sometimes I'm like. <sighs> Like, no bullshit, <laughs> you know? And sorry, not sorry, Jason. What did Cindy McKinney oh, say? Oh, no, because um, Cindy was telling, because she's been on the, she's been in the chats with me. And oh, great. some people, most people have been really great. A few people have been awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's to be expected. But, you know? but, 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 you know, the, the truth is like, I, it, I asked for, you know, if you guys want to, there's a big thread. Um, and if you go to hashtag candy, not COVID 2020 on Facebook right now, you'll see about 10 10 posts that are out there from people that have been sharing and, and uh, a thread that I made Miller. has about 300 comments on it with different people from the mostly right wing and conservative people arguing with me. But you know, the truth is I asked for that. I asked them to, to email me and tell me why they didn't want to go. I didn't ask because I thought, because, and I still believe like I wanted to know from people who don't think like me, why do you think it's okay? Yeah. And some of them had reasons, not some of them had like well, reasons you reasons. don't agree with. Not That's necessarily all. agree with. Yeah. Right. But they had reasons and it was really interesting for me to see it. Some people were just trying to fight. That's true. But even some of the people that were trying to fight after we started talking, they chilled. Some people that were just trying to fight just kept on fighting. Um, you know, I got to call it a few names. That's fine. I don't care. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of goes with the territory, but at the end of the day, it's, it's nice to be able to open up the dialogue. Yep, and absolutely. like, listen, you think things that maybe I think are ridiculous. I think things that you think are ridiculous and absolutely wrong. Like um, but, right. Can we have, yeah, I love aliens. Can we have a, an actual conversation? Yeah. Just yep. the conversation. Like, the okay, why do you want to go trick or treating? Yep. And the truth is I did. And I've actually made a couple friends that I've been talking to back and forth about like that. They believe some stuff that I definitely don't believe, but that we found a lot of common ground. And, and, and that's the end of the, you know, we had this little bit of this conversation with uh, Mr. Saget today. Mm -hmm. um, if you missed it, we had Bob Saget on at noon today and uh, we're going to, we're going to put that on the podcast on Friday, yep. but it's that same thing. If we can't have the conversations and we can't keep talking, that's what's going to really fragment this country. We don't have to believe or agree or even tolerate, you know, certain things, but we do have to keep talking. Well, and by the way, I'm going to cut you off just like I do. Nancy, if you're there, take a shot. She's probably working, but let me tell you. You're right. Seriously, you're right. I mean, I don't care about politics. And I'll tell you, I avoid all these conversations because I never talk politics or religion. But you're right. And the other thing I'll add is this. Uh, Friday, if you missed the Bob Saget interview today at noon, mm -hmm. it's going to air live. Well, recorded live in front of a studio audience that didn't exist, who were all wearing masks <laughs> on Friday at a regular time at 3.30. <laughs> But Jason, I love that you do this stuff and I love how, you know, we can use this as a platform for it because I, I could not uh, support it more. And listen, you know, I, the, I'm glad one of us does it. I'm glad I have a partner that's uh, socially aware and, and in that regard, current yeah. events wise, because this is how you're going to fix some differences. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the truth, you know, I have to, there's a, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a liberal, you know, I believe that, you know, we shouldn't be putting people in prison forever. I think we should be rehabilitating people. And part of being real rehabilitation is honestly listening, being social workers, right? Not prison wardens. You don't lock somebody up because they disagree with you or they failed you somehow. I think the same thing has to be true with conversation. You know, I can't as a person that I hold my own kind of integrity in tech and say, no, I disagree with you. So I shut you off forever. I need to be somebody that goes, Oh, well, we don't agree but I have to be able to and willing to have those the dialogues and discussions because it's how I want to represent my, you know, my ideology and my, my belief system. Right. So, well, you know what I will jump in and say, as I always do is this, you know, who actually has a good handle on this and you're going to laugh at me who? is our intelligence community. Yeah. No one's an enemy. If you talk to anyone who's like a full analyst or a field yeah. agent, you know, in, in any of the divisions, you know, DIA, NSA, CIA, mm -hmm. wherever they're up, if it's posse comitatus and they can't do it here or they're doing it here, they all have the same point of view. Every piece of information is important and it doesn't matter who's bringing it and everyone's a potential ally. Yeah, absolutely. So you just you know, have to listen to what they, what do you want? The, the, yeah. Every analyst I've ever spoken to is, and, and interrogator especially, they want right to the heart of what do you want? What is it, your family? Is it money? Is it a, what is it that you want? Because we all, in essence, want the same stuff, yeah. just different ways. You know who else is really good at this? 
Sasha Baron Cohen and Larry Charles. Yes, they are. Uh, well, they're trail bra- trail blazers. I can talk. You know, with Borat, I, I'd never seen. Larry invited me to the screening of that. And I went with uh, Dylan's mom, with Drew. And, and we, I mean, this was a, an industry crowd peeing their pants. I mean, people don't laugh at, you know, the, you know how we are. We're assholes. And people were like pounding the back of the seat. Like, yeah. and not giving a shit. But yes, you're right. They're excellent well, at it. And, and, and Larry does a thing where he'll interview people. He wants to understand people. He's not there to just make fun of people. You know, Borat is a little bit more satire on certain pieces. But Larry will go and talk to the head of, you know, a weird biker gang and, like, in those dangerous spots to we'll get... We'll go to the Middle understand. East. To yeah. talk, you know, his, his, uh, his uh, special on Netflix, he'll go to the Middle East and he'll uh, discuss, uh, you know, see comedians there mm-hmm. and what's going on. You know, I mean, like, he goes to the most dangerous places. He does not get... Look at Religious. Yeah, you know, absolutely. he wants to spark... He wants to drop everyone in the middle of the argument. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that stuff. And I, I've actually... It's something that this... This Isn't something exciting quarantine has really got, no, I'm just like thinking, I'm looking outside at the, <laughs> no, no, no. C- I'm saying like C- soon something yeah. exciting might be happening. Oh yeah. Charles. So, oh yeah, absolutely. There's something pre- potentially I'm very excited um, about that, but um, there is just something about being in this situation that makes you feel a little more insular and disconnected from people. And mm-hmm. I watch people on Facebook and all that stuff, blocking everybody and going, if you don't agree with me, we're blocked and I right. get it. And, um, uh, yeah, this is, I'm going to read the this book. Mind? I, I, Righteous Mind. I, re- I just read one's called Uncivil Agreement that I really liked, and I'll, I'm going to read this one next because I really, really think these things are important to read and understand. It's, it, it's really opened my eyes, and, and it's because I, I, I see people getting shut down more and more because we are isolated. We're double isolating ourselves, and I don't want that anymore. I, 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 I shut a lot of people down over time, and I've been very stern on, like, this is what I believe, and fuck you if you don't, and I'm starting to see that that's a an error and a, and, and not, a, not the way I want to live my life anymore. I don't necessarily want to agree and I don't want to accept things that aren't right, but I do not want to ever shut anybody down. And I want to, I want to learn more. And this is, this is my growth. This is how I'm going to grow over the next while, while is by learning how to interact and figure out how to solve these divides. And I'm going to do it by golly. Seems like you're already doing it. All right. So this is great. All now right. let's move to some little bit of content. I don't know. Let's do I mean, like you content. got me on a little like thing now with this whole conversation. Uh, you know, again, I'm just thinking the other side of it where, you know, you want to know how to avoid this, like that, that, uh, dangerous, what was the name of that? Dangerous oh. Minds is that Michelle Pfeiffer movie. The Righteous Mind. The Righteous, righteous Mind. Yeah. That Bryce James put up. Bryce Jones. What did I say? See, that's what happens when I know Bryce James. Places. But Bryce yeah, I see Bryce. I know greatest, Bryce with the mask. Is one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. Uh, yeah, Bryce is great, but Bryce. I knew the, 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 I always, I remember his, the photo. Uh, the mask. I like that one. Um, you got me just thinking about it. Okay, so how I avoid it is no politics, no religion. If everybody gave up politics and religion, honestly, I know it sounds like it'll never happen. But if you just gave up politics, or John Lennon said it, if we just gave all that up, I'm like, all right, let's just, you know, like Imagine hang out. All the but I really, it's, it's, I never have arguments with people about stuff because I don't talk about pop. So the most we argue about is art. Like, you didn't like that, really? Like, okay, what didn't you like about it? Well, and I think that there's a thing, you know, and I think that's a way to not argue, but there's, you know, but I think addressing it and actually being focused on it and being willing to have it and engage in it without being angry about it is the other part that you have to do. There's two ways to go. One is never talk about it, and then you're going to have really great conversations about other stuff yeah high but the other ways you have to kind of head into the eye of it and be you know work together and recognize that these are differences but not differences that are going to completely separate us and that's why we're partners (laughs) (laughs) that's that's why the yin and the yang buddy that's right okay that's right all right, what do we got? So, my, my beard's kind of the yin and the yang these your days. Your beard's away. doing. Listen, it looks like someone, it looks like Stephanie made you trim it or something. Like no, something no, happened. Just, no, I just, I, I took it out of the dryer and put it on this morning. and you it comb it? A little fluffy. Yeah, yeah, I've been trying. All right. I mean, you're not going to use the Madison Reed, huh? I am, I am. I no, just, you're not. I, I will. Are you? Yeah. It's, I don't think you are. My wife makes me do it outside and it's just gross outside right now. I don't think you are. Uh, well, this, this reverse <laughs> okay. psychology is not going to work on me, Cliff's mom. Um, <laughs> All right. So we're not going to talk about the vow too much because, you know. We're going to do that on Wednesday. Right. We're going to do that on Wednesday. Uh, Here's what I want to talk about, maybe for ooh, a few seconds while we get into content. So today is the first day of the uh, Creative Arts Emmys. They're going to be on right after this, right? Yes. So you can watch? Yeah, I'm going to watch. Are you going to watch? Yeah, of course I'm going to watch. Don't put me on the spot. I am. I'm putting you on the spot I know right I now. I have the link right there that Scott sent us. To watch yeah. stuff. I yeah. mean, listen, we've had so many of these people on. 
you know, and that is going to be part of what I think is going to be really interesting out this week. There's a good chance that we're going to have some of those winners on this week. So you need to stick around. We're going to have a really great like week that. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if you, we've mentioned this before, but the, 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 the voice behind Archer, Bob from Bob's Burgers, H. John Benjamin, he's in Red Hot American Summer. One of the funniest human beings on the face of the planet oh. is joining us tomorrow. To be on the show, and we're just all you know. He's got nothing to promote. Archer's not coming out for a little while. We just comes out tomorrow, buddy. Archer comes out tomorrow. Yeah, we were blessed with having H. John Benjamin on the day Archer comes out. Holy Jesus! Season, season eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't watch the one minute trailer. You got to watch. Go on iTunes and watch the one minute trailer on the motorcycle. Holy crap! All right, it's so good. We got H. John Benjamin on the day it's coming out, guys. This is incredible, and he's one of the funniest guys. And like. I dressed as Bob for Bob's Burgers the first year it came out and nobody knew who it was because it was that first season. And it's like the show came out in September and I was dressed like him by October 31st. And like everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, look, a chef. And I, I, I had an old Bob's Big Boy costume that I wore. Shit. So I just wore the same hair, but just not the, the same pants. And nobody knew who I was. It was amazing. But uh, Listen, yeah, that show. Incredible. Is, we're, it's just, it, again, it keeps getting... Better and better. And, and by the way, I'm serious. Watch. And uh, guys, if you have not watched this minute trailer that's on iTunes, it's free. You just got to like buy it. You know, they make you buy it even though it's a zero, zero, zero. I don't get that with iTunes. No, I don't either. But what they do nice is uh, Ted Lasso. But we can't keep talking about Ted Lasso all the time. Yeah. I mean, we but I, there's that. not enough episodes. Home with Ted Lasso podcast. Yeah, there's not. I know I'm not going to do that, but there's not enough episodes. All right. Yeah, but yeah, so that's 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 coming this week. We got the, um, you know, like we like we said, we'll have a, a Val conversation on Wednesday. We got some really great people coming through this week, um, and more to be announced. But oh, we, we have the we creator also, of Raised by Wolves, the creator, the showrunner, and creator of Raised by Wolves is going to be here this week also. So, deep dive. please stick around. Deep. And in, as long and, as he gives us, <laughs> this is how yeah. long we're taking with him. Absolutely, uh, Alexander. Uh, okay, so so. Have you seen? I, I posted it, but did you see this? The video for the Hitman Three. Oh, the VR? The VR. It looks awesome. You get to kill people in VR now? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I, I've, been, I've been killing. I feel like if you're yeah. too good at that game, I feel like there's trackers on it. And I feel like if you're too good at that game, someone from the CIA shows up. And they're like, hey, we've been looking for someone like you. I just got my VR all you? set up. Look at this thing. This is, the, this is the Vive. This is the Valve Index. This is the. This is that what it's Vive. called? Yeah, this thing. Um, I've been playing uh, Half-Life on it. And all these different games, like I got these new controllers. You got like Are those on, your on like hands? this, like, so they, yeah. they hold on. So when you when you do this, they oops. Well, we can't see do this. They uh-huh. feel, they can track every finger individually. How much yeah. is that setup? I don't, my <laughs> wife listens to the show, man. <laughs> all right, we can look it up. But I mean, that is a serious serious thing. So, but I don't think you can use that on your Sony, right? Oh no! This is this is this is for our beefy PC, but it, the the Hitman Three trailer is gonna Hitman's gonna work with that. Um, there's oh, a new Star Wars. The, the new Star Wars game is also there's a new uh, like X Wing game that's coming out um, in a in about a month that's also gonna be able to be played completely in VR. Um, there's some really cool stuff coming out. Yeah. See, this is and, what I'm saying, and Hitman's not coming out until January, so I'm a little I'm a little peeved because I'm just playing golf, which I'm like ranked third right now. But I'm, I'm doing the, uh, you know, not the hard level. I couldn't imagine <laughs> the hard level. But this game is so much better than that other crappy golf game I was playing. So that's just for the record. I'm just saying. Now, what is going on at this moment with no real, like we're getting, I guess we had Lovecraft last night in the Val, but we're not, like I'm not seeing, like Netflix isn't putting stuff out. Like what's going on? I feel like there's a lag. Are you, are yeah, you feeling I this? Um, I mean, I think that we're hitting that weird spot, but I, I mean, we got that. Um, I mean, I don't know if you watched the first one, but that babysitter sequel just came With out. Bella Thorne. Yeah. I, yeah, I like no. the first one. I, I like the first one. It was funny. It was very campy and fun. I didn't, I've, I'm watching that. I haven't, I started that second one, you, you know, Buffalo came out last week. I feel like we had a lot of interesting stuff. Did you coming. watch Buffalo? Uh, I started it and I'm going to finish it because it's, it was good so far. I, but my mom, like I said, my mom got into Lovecraft country. So we watched that. Right. That was while you were away. So it's something you got to delve back into. But what I'm saying is that I don't feel that we're seeing this, this, you know, uh, we, we got a real big push, you know, over the last even six months or so. And I just think like usually Netflix has a show or two coming out and a new movie coming out and Amazon, look, at least they got the boys every Friday and listen, let's take a minute. And talk about the new episode of The Boys. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. It was so good. 
Well, you got um, to know a lot about Laz's backstory about mother. Yeah. Yep. Which was really interesting. Um, and you know, it was just a, it, did I, you I, notice I, his t-shirt? Yeah, he didn't. It was his first non-wrap T-shirt. Well, because it was a Black Panther meal meal program shirt. Ah, ah. So he said, if you remember, if you saw that episode of ours or listened, and if you did not, feel free. Thousands of people have now, tens of thousands have actually listened to that episode. But he talks about how he is able to express his character in his T-shirts. Yeah, I love it. Um, got to here's what I'll say about you know, and to keep, just because we're going to get cut, cut off now. But, oh, we are. Um, yeah, it's over. It's September 15th. Normally there's no content right now. We're waiting for the fall st- season to start anyway. So this would be a normal lull. I think that that's just where we are at right now. That we're in the September mid mm. right before the release of, you know, TV, which is going to be pushed back anyway. So we're in a little bit yeah. of a weird spot. Exactly. Okay. So we can continue this dialogue tomorrow yep. when we have it's John Benjamin. Okay. It's John Benjamin. Who's got Archer coming out tomorrow. Look, you got content Archer. coming your way. Yes. Okay, you're right. Okay, stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman, I love you, everybody. Candy Not COVID 2020. Yeah. A podcast network.